Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. Grain, right. grain, right. going to tip the scale. Just remember that, Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oshin McCombell by the former Kerry footballer, Brian Sheehan, and by the former Clare footballer, Gary Brennan. We are going to preview all four All-Ireland football quarterfinals for next weekend. We're going to talk about the Calton Cup semifinals, and we're going to talk about systematic fouling in Gaelic football. Where we're going to start, though, is with the quarterfinal to be played next weekend between Clare and Derry. This is an example of teams who have both been in the relatively recent past in Division 4 in the National Football League. And we're going to look at how those two counties have climbed uh, out of Division 4 into the position where they reach an All-Ireland quarterfinal. And Gary, I want to start with Clare. Colm Collins is the longest serving manager in Gaelic football. He's, he's rightly received a huge amount of praise for how he has managed Clare over the past nine years. His record of achievement is such that Clare have been a Division 2 team since 2016 and have twice now reached the All-Ireland quarter-final stage. Now, that may not seem like an enormous record achievement, except if you look at where Clare have come from. Because when he took over manager of Clare, Clare had been in Division 4 since the new leagues were constituted in 2008. They, in fact, they'd finished 2013 in the middle of Division 4 and had lost to both Waterford and Limerick in that year. 2014, promoted to, out of Division 4. 2015, finished in the middle of Division 3. And then 2016, pro, promoted to Division 2. And Clare have been there ever since. Uh, I'm going to start with a very big question. How has he done that? <laughs> How has he done it? Yeah, it does. It's, it's the question that I get asked most often. And um, I kind of... I feel like people are waiting for there to be some magic formula or some special trick that he did that 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 God is there. But I suppose it's really, I think it's just a lot of small things done very well a lot of the time, you know, and consistent hard work. But I think context is important. So just to start with, I suppose he he played himself with Clare and played with Clemethel and was quite successful as a player. But then ended up in Cratlow, living in Cratlow, where football wouldn't have been, you know, um, I suppose it wouldn't be seen as the first sport or wouldn't have been a, a very strong area for football. And he started with his own lads coming up along with teams underage and started competing in A competitions, contesting them, winning them, competing against the likes of Kilmurray, Rick and Ennis Simon, these clubs who were winning A championships all the time. So he had built up that, I suppose, that football profile in Cratlow and had earned the respect of clubs all over and people all over the county because of what he had done in Cratlow and people could see the effort he was putting into football and what he was, how he was developing these players. Plus a lot of the best players then at those ages were coming from Cratlow. So I suppose he, he had a good relationship with those to start with. Um, when he came in, I suppose the team he came into in 2014, we had actually, you know, he said we finished uh, down the league a bit in 13, but we actually had an opportunity to go up on the last day, if not the second last day against Limerick yeah. that year. 
And in each of the two previous years, 11 and 12, we had also missed out on the last day from going up. So he came into a team that was close, but had never done enough to get over the line. And I suppose he identified a few things straight away and was able to put those right from a footballing sense. We played in the Munster final in 2012 and went out to play against Cork. Now, at the time, I, I, I loved it. I wanted to go out and take them on. Uh, but we left ourselves open, conceded three goals. And I remember talking to Colin after that game. He just could not understand how we left ourselves so exposed. Um, he felt the goals had just killed the game that day. So from a footballing sense, he wanted better structure. He wanted us not giving the ball away as much in the 12 league as well, I think it was. We had an opportunity in Ockram on the last day to go up against Wicklow. Three times, I think, we missed goal chances where we were trying to pass the man at the back post and it got cut out or we missed the chance. So there was another thing he just picked up from a football and sent straight away. He wanted the ball burst in the net, you know, none of this messing around with it was his kind of um, approach. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is he came into a team that was that was ready for to push on, but needed that direction, needed that guidance. And I suppose the things he put in place then... He removed the excuses for a start. So there was a kind of a culture of making excuses. Um, you know, the hurlers get this, we don't get that. Uh, you know, this is going against us, that's going against us. And he just, he removed that straight away. So our, our training venues, we used to be going all over the county looking for pitches. He booked into UL, in the AstroTurf in UL. And we didn't necessarily like going down to UL. Um, a lot of us training on the AstroTurf all the time but we had that that was our training venue that was it there was no messing with where are we training this week does he have to go looking for a pitch etc um, so that was set up gear etc these be lads looking and saying oh the hurlers get this we don't get that that was removed uh, how exactly he I suppose went about doing that I, I don't know the full details but whether it was an agreement with the county board or whether the supporters club stepped up and, and helped but there was never any issues with was getting not getting things that the hurlers were getting um, the players, I, I don't know if he got many refusals when he went out and asked, but compared to previous years where maybe guys were turning down the opportunity to come into the panel, we seemed to have everyone that we wanted to have once Colin was involved. Um, you know, and he, he understood that mindset that, that existed there because he had been involved as under 21 manager for a good few years before that. So he'd have had a good insight into what was happening at senior level. And he just came in and got rid of those excuses straight away put everything in place that we needed and then said right it's up to you now let's let's um let's push it on from here um the next thing i'd say that he does or has done really well is gotten people in around him uh very good people in around him so that first year we had Paddy kassan um and Paddy was exactly i think what we needed at the time because he gave us a structure uh he was just finished playing himself he had a really good understanding of the game uh, and we became much harder to score against, much harder to play against than we had been. Um, you know, we had other guys, we'd even Fitzgerald for a year, Mick Bowen then um, really pushed on the skill side of things, Alan Flynn from Galway, with Brian Carson as well, um, and Jerry McGowan now has come down from Tour Strand and Sligo. So what he has been very good at is freshening up the coaching voice, but taking the learnings from one coach and carrying that through. So like things that we learned under Paulie Kassan, he expects those to still be carried through now. Um, then in terms of SNC, like um, 
like Chris Deleuze, Keith Tennessee, Rob Mulcahy, the, the current SNC coach, is as good as you will get in the country. Um, I've come across quite quite a few SNC guys now, but uh, Rob, I suppose, me at 32, he was getting as much out of me as I'd ever gotten out of myself, you know, because you wanted to do it for him. Um, he built up that relationship. And, and then he always brings in a selector or two that are local, that have a good knowledge of the club scene, would have a good relationship with guys. Um, and he's not afraid to go out and get get new people involved, like Declan O'Keefe is involved with the goalkeepers now. Um, he has uh, this nutritionist involved now that maybe was an issue before. Um, Cahill Sheridan is working with them on the, side, on the psychology side of things this year. Um, and I think that's something that maybe the players looked for. And, and that kind of brings me to the next point. And, I appreciate I'm going on a bit here, so don't be afraid to, to cut me off. But he really makes it about the players. And he'd hate to think that I was sitting here talking about him. That would really drive him cracked. Because he says it's always about the players, and he means that. He listens to the players. He wants their views. After every match, players have to submit feedback on how they felt they did themselves, uh, how they could improve. And then at the end of the year, um, he'd give players again the opportunity to submit feedback either directly to him or when I was captain I'd coordinated that guys could submit it to me and I'd submit it confidentially then to management That's feedback about the management things or about the whole setup or about how the team was playing or about so, about what? Everything everything whatever whatever guys saw I suppose you know and it didn't matter who it came from if it was a good idea Colin would use it you know um, so if there was something that a player felt could be done better, he'd he'd take that on board and, and go with it if, if he felt it was of value, I suppose. Um, so, so one, just one one last question on Claire. One last question on Claire for a second. It, it, so just nobody can deny the progress, right? And it's Claire, Claire are now a, a, an established Division 2 team, twice into quarterfinals, but have not really come close to winning the Munster Championship, and I, 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 I know that getting Kerry seven out of eight years is probably just disastrous, really, in terms of of drawing. But the the reality of it is, Kerry have been, I won't say comfortable, but they never really looked like leave, losing. If you don't mind me saying that to you, Gary, number one and number two, Clare have not managed to get into Division One of the National Football League, which obviously is the other great aspiration that's there. Why is that? Well, we haven't been good enough. Is the is the direct answer, I suppose, um, but not good enough yet. I suppose is what I'd like to, what I'd like to believe. Um, again, I don't think there's any one definite reason. But when it has come to, in terms of the league, when it has come to the Derry game this year, Galway game this year, we just weren't good enough to beat them, and we need to be ready to beat them. But why we're not good enough to beat them? I think at times we haven't carried enough of a threat up front. Um, that we've maybe relied on one or two people to do too much of the scoring instead of having four or five, six players that are contributing to score. And when those players get shut down against the better teams that we struggle to to get to the same scoring rate. Um, I think if going back to Kerry, your question about the Munster Championship, I think we played well against Kerry in a lot of games for 50 minutes. And the last 20, you know, particularly in Cusick Park, we, we never seem to do well in Killarney, but in Cusick Park, we seem to give them a good game for 50, 55 minutes and then maybe run out of steam. A lot of the way we play or have played is, is a running game. 
um, and it's very hard to sustain it for 70 minutes. And I think what the improvements they've made in the last couple of years is they're happy to go for phases now where they have possession and just keep possession and control the ball and control the game. And that allowed them allows them to have a bit more in the tank, I think, when it comes to 60 to 70 minutes. But there were definitely times in championship games, big championship games, I'm thinking of Kildare in 2014, um, even the Armagh, uh, championship game Mead and the, the game to qualify for the Super 8s G- games that would have pushed us to that next level where we ran out of gas or ran out of steam towards the end and I don't think it was a physical conditioning point as such we were very well conditioned but we just couldn't keep playing the game that we were trying to play and if we could bring a little bit more variety to it, it might bring us to the next level but with that more variety comes more risk and um, I suppose that's that's the, the jump you have to take then. Brian, how did you regard playing against Clare in Munster Championship football? They were they were always a very tough opposition to play against because they were always very, very well structured. They had a very good running game. And we knew that if you left space inside, they had the forwards that could really, really hurt you. Um and like you know, I, I know Gary said there, but you know, I suppose they didn't. Clarney's a tough place to go. Clarney haven't lost championship football in Clarney, and, I, and since I, I've never lost the championship game in Clarney, and I think if I can't recall when when the last time Kerry lost the championship game in Clarney, so like that's it's a hard place to go, and I do know it's something that we really do um, put emphasis on. From this is this is our backyard. We don't lose games in our backyard, so going to Clarney is going to be hard for any team that's there. But I, I recall going back to this on numerous occasions, and we only barely got out of there. Maybe three or four points. I think I recall. Uh, I think it was two thousand fourteen. Um, back in Ennis, I think we might have been losing with three or four points at half time. And 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 Amy Fitzmaurice gave us down the banks. Literally, this is not good enough. And you know, we're in serious trouble here unless we pull up our socks and and, and get to work here. And I think again, like that, I think as Gary mentioned, it wasn't until the last ten minutes I think that we managed to kind of pull away. I think and and, and won by four points. And even at that, I think we. We were lucky. I think there was a goal scored. If I can't recall, there was there a penalty that that, that that Claire got back into this again, or, or just kept hanging on to us and the kick they got from us. So we always knew they were they were they were very hard opposition to play when uh, play against. And you know, I suppose even from the point of view of, of Gary, one stage there, like I recall about that game back in as well. I was out midfield, or I think I was in centre forward that day. I think, and I think David Moore went off, and I went out midfield. But like that, then we don't oh, get in full forward, and I was inside here full back marking this for that. And then <laughs> straight away, I can say this isn't where I need to be inside here. So, again, you know, first ball came in and, and, and he got it. He, he just looked me in the eye, went straight at me, had to fault him. And and it was a free, and all of a sudden, I, I mean, the intent was there that they just knew where the game was at, and they knew then what, what, what had to be done. And Collins had that, that bit of a, I just think he's a great structure insider from the point of view he brought structure to clear, but. What I like about it, from just even listening to Gary there as well, is I think there's great respect from the players towards towards Collins. Like it, it, the respect that he has, you don't players don't buy into, it, players don't do, you don't last as long as he has been doing inside or with that. And I think that's massive true respect or credit to him because the players really really do believe him. If they didn't believe in him or if they thought this fellow was a joke or, or nothing was happening, they wouldn't have had to the. I suppose success they've had from the point of view of being competitive, getting to all Ireland quarterfinals of late, competing and staying in Division Two. So, 
Um, I think massive credit is, is due to him, but and he he has made clear a, a difficult opposition. And you know, do you, you see back, do you see Clare beating Derry this weekend? Um, I just think it's going to be difficult. It could happen. I could. I genuinely think for 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 one reason being the fact that the games in Crow Park and the way that Derry play defensively, Crow Park is a big field to be trying to play defensively. No matter how many bodies you back behind the ball, it plays so big. And it's the one thing I would look at to see how Derry going to cope. It's fine if you're, you know, inside a tight pitch and that you know. And even if you are in a big pitch, it's Crow Park just plays that bit bigger, regardless. It's faster, it's, isn't it? It's a faster. It's just faster and it's bigger. And Oshin always alludes it, and I alluded. Crow Park is a kicking is a kicking field as well. And Gary even mentioned there about how Derry that they play and catch on a counter attack. And I, I think if Clear, and I, I know we kind of discussed this with the month with the Ulster final with Donegal and and, and uh, Derry. Clearly needs to be very careful, I think, of how they go about setting up this game. And as you said, O'Sheen, Derry or Donegal had no choice against Derry in just the final, but to try and match them as well and kind of be defensive. But as Gary mentioned there, they're they're getting the they're getting they've improved. They've got know-how. They've tried to keep the ball a bit longer, not to expend so much energy on their legs. They're trying to and I think there's it's going to be tactically I think it's going to come out to a very tactical game, I think, in the in the, the next day, because if Clare go going home for this and go out and try to go at Derry early on, they could get caught open at the back and, and Derry will catch them on the counter-attack. So I, I think I think they do. I think they have a chance in this. Um, I think Derry are possibly just going to be favourites from the point of view of if you look at the teams that they've beaten to get to where they are, they've taken big scouts off teams. Um, but Crow Park's a different animal and I think, you know, the way Clare even went about to, to win the, the last round, against Ross Common, that's another big scalp for them as well. I think they draw fierce belief out of that. Um, so I, I do, I think Claire rightly with a great chance of, of, of beating Derry, to be honest. How do you see it, Oshin? Well, if you look at, I was just thinking about Derry and how, they, how their championship matches have gone for them. I mean, if they wanted to script them, uh, they couldn't have really went much better. I mean, they seem to get a, a bit of a lead up and uh, apart from the Jerome game, they've relinquished that lead and they've looked, you know, like the last day, I was very, very surprised. It was guys who, who were being introduced who not only had seen no championship football, but also very, very little league football. So that gives you an idea of, of the situation with the legs coming towards the end of the game. That's going to be magnified when they go to um, when they go to Crow Park. So I suppose for me, the key for for Claire is to to be still there with ten or fifteen minutes to go. And if they are, then they've absolutely super chance to make an all Ireland semi final. I think as well, it's not unnatural um for Claire to set up um with bodies behind the ball. I think the last day to give up I'm not sure if they give up every kick out, but they give up most of them until they were um, you know, at a crisis point if you like, um, in the game and they started to press then. So um that will that will spook Derry a little bit, I think. Um, in that, you know, a lot of teams tend to, you know, give it up for a little bit, press um early on in the game and Derry like to, to kick the long ball. The problems I see for Clare are that Chrissy McKeague has not given anybody a sniff so far and he's marked some unbelievable players. He's marked McBrady's marked uh, McCurry and the, yeah, he marked Jack McCarran and McCurry got I think got three points off him from play. 
Um, like the, the angles that he got them off was, was, you know, just just gives you the tells you about the class of McCurry. So um, I presume it'll be Keelan Saxon. Um, he he'll be detailed to, and and I suppose that's where. You know, like I keep, I keep saying this. You know, in regards to a lot of teams, but how do how does the other forwards react? You know, when when he's take when and if he's taken out of the game, and is the supporting cast there? Are they good enough to step up and get Claire enough scores as I say, even just to stay in the game uh, for 55, 60 minutes? And I'm telling you, if they do. The way they finished the last day, and the way if you just like if I was if I was doing any analysis from the Roscommon game, I'd be showing that uh, Malone point over and over again because you know why? Because it showed the intent, and a team in a situation like Clare, who maybe wouldn't have the same belief, um, haven't really been there, haven't really, you know, got over the lane in some of those games. Um, you're after coming back from. You know what five six point deficit and all of a sudden you know you're draw and you think jesus lads let's hold out here and we'll, we'll take extra time no the intent just went straight down the middle uh and kicked the score and uh had enough about them to hold roscommon out then so that's the key for them i think the key but the, the problems are that that carry or that Derry have played the same way now in three games uh they haven't wavered from it um and they have it down to a T. They'll have a lot of homework done as far as Claire are concerned. Um, so it's going to be a really, really tough one. I suppose the other thing about about playing against Derry is that I think you're at a real advantage if you've played to get against them before. So you have a fair idea what to in expect. The league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, division two in the league. Yeah. Um. So you have a fair idea what to expect, and I think you know for me, uh, that'll stand to Claire, but. They've got some problems in that, you know, defensively, if you look at Rodgers and you look at, at McKeag, as far as blotting out the opposition, probably they're probably right up there at the top of the at the top of the tree when it comes to that sort of thing. Will will there be a crowd going from Clare to support the team on uh, in, in for the quarterfinal, Gary? Or and to what extent is it is, is is hurling the dominant force when it comes to the kind of the popular imagination in Clare? Um, I, I have it written here somewhere. Clare had two home matches this year in the championship. Uh, the Limerick game there was two thousand. We we'll give three thousand, would say. Okay, there was three thousand at that match, and the Mead game there was two and a half thousand. Okay. So in two home games, there's been five and a half thousand. Um, Meads travelled pretty well and Limerick didn't travel that well I suppose for the first round of the championship so that gives you a picture versus the Munster Hurling final was a sellout in Thurlis uh, you know there'll be people queuing the tickets are going on sale for the Hurling semi-finals today. there'll be queues outside Centra and there'll be queues everywhere you know you, you won't see that for the football games but um what I would say is the core group of people that support Clare football are unbelievable supporters. They would go anywhere. Um, they've been to every corner of the country, but they just wouldn't be there in the same numbers. That's that's the reality. But these guys, I mean, that's been the reality for, for guys since they're 13, 14 years of age, and it hasn't bothered them up to now. So 
I don't think it could be a major major factor. Oshin, Oshin, Colm Collins went into Clare at the end of 2013 for the, more or less for the 2014 season. Kieran McGinney has actually been in in our map since 2015, and when you you look at the burn there up to Division from three to two at the beginning, then slip back, then back up to two, and has now made it to one. What has he done in Armagh? How has he done this? He also had a year before that with, with, with Paul Grimley, so <clears throat> he's been there um, since 14, I think, uh, when Armagh last got to the quarterfinal. He, um, what, is, what has changed? I suppose the, the culture has changed. So when people hear culture, I'm not sure they know exactly what people are talking about. When you talk about culture, first thing is he wanted people in the change room that really wanted to be there. The next thing he wanted was people in there who were going to put their shoulders to the wheel and give absolutely everything to it. And uh, Geezer's idea of everything <laughs> and some of the rest of us uh, of our idea of everything, uh, it could be pretty poles apart. I, you know, I... I you know remember obviously he was <clears throat> he was captain for for mo- majority of the time that I uh, played with Armagh and there is like for me like there was some Tuesday nights at a rival train and let's face it I was just I was happy to be there I was happy the fact that I had made it there um, as far as what I was going to do when I got there um, that was up for debate um, and if you if you if you got the feeling. Um, very early on, you know, when, as I say, when he was captain, that you were going to saunter to through the training, you were going to do a bit of ducking and dave and maybe get a wee rub, you know, halfway through training. That sort of all disappeared very, very quickly. And you're on, you're, you're under no illusions <clears throat> what was expected of you. And I think it's the same thing with these players. And I think a lot of players to begin with um, didn't really accept that. And a lot of, of, uh, players ra- railed against it, if you like, and uh, didn't accept it for what it was. But I think uh, the more they seen uh, what was expected at this level, <clears throat> I think it helped that Armagh were playing Division Two and Division Three football. To be honest, um, because Armagh, rightly or wrongly, would always see themselves up there with the top eight or ten teams, um, and that notion comes from what happened from the late 90s right through to the end of 2000, or not even the end of 2000, probably the middle of 2000. So it's based on a very small period of time. When I come into the Armagh squad, we were playing Division Three football as well. So um, I, I do think that, you know, we did have maybe a, a few errors and graces about ourselves that weren't deserved, especially from the current crop. And I think the current crop uh, eventually got the, the penny dropped you know, what it was going to take. And well, again, when I talk about the change in culture, um, that was a slow enough process, I think. Um, because the culture just doesn't have to change with like 15 or 25 or 26 or 30. It has to change with, with the people beyond that. And I think there's probably, what, 40 lads, maybe even more, who are there thereabouts. I was with the under-20s this year, so there's a crew who are continually working, you know, around the calendar. Um, to try and make them so better. Uh, there's a huge emphasis on conditioning, as you can imagine. Um, and I think that has improved dramatically. I think Armagh probably one of the most, one of the fittest teams in the country. Um, <clears throat> and I also think what has happened is 
if I'm a five years ago had the injuries that they had now, they wouldn't be able to cope with it. They wouldn't be able to compete. I am. I have had five very serious injuries the last day, and five players out missing. Five of the bigger players. And when I say bigger, I mean big in stature, as in uh, all play play around the middle of the field. And um, we've been obliterated by uh, uh, on our own kick out by Donegal, and we managed to to turn that around. I think the people that he's brought in. I think that personally speaking, I, I think that the the uh, backroom team need needed freshen freshening up even before he actually freshened it up. So, but the fa- fact that he has freshened it up, I think he's brought in real quality there. And I don't think I think it's immeasurable the the difference that Kieran Donaghy has made around the place. And again, you know, I've talked a couple of times about you know what the players are saying about Kieran Donaghy, but one of the main things is that. And Brian, he's a he's a he's a he's a character around the place, and uh, you need that. I remember Benny Tierney; um, he retired in two thousand and two, and Joe brought him back in as goalkeeping coach. But he wasn't really goalkeeping coach; he was entertainment manager. And uh, and he took him back in uh, 03, I think he was there oh four five. I think he was actually maybe actually there till Joe left in in oh six or seven. Um, but just to have that that sort of thing, because as much as as Giza would be viewed as a pretty dare character, he's actually he's actually not. He's he's um, he, he realizes, and he's I think he's got more pragmatic as the years have gone on, and uh, and he gives the he gives those players a, a nice bit of rope. But I think they ever, all of them have a fair idea what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and. To be honest, what was going on in Armagh for six or seven years was completely unacceptable. I was there. My fa- my last year was 08. We played Wexford in an All Ireland quarter final. We um, we'd won an Ulster title by beating three Division Three teams. That's just the way the draw went. And uh, we played Wexford in an All Ireland quarter final, and we spent two weeks solid on Wexford. We never met, we hardly mentioned ourselves. We concentrated on Wexford and what their strong points were, and we looked. We went out on the field in 2008, and we looked like the most confused team ever. And it just it took a downward spiral from there. Um, the next six years, very very forgettable, and there was no culture there. People dipped in, dipped out. Um, <clears throat> so there's no dipping in or dipping out. I think all the best players in the county are in and around the squad, maybe by one or two who. who uh, who maybe haven't committed fully. So uh, I think Armagh are as good a place as they could be. And the thing I like about it is, and I know I might have said this to you before, Paul, but where we are now is sustainable. Do you know what I mean? We're not, you're not going to, Armagh's not going anywhere. I mean, they mightn't win all Ireland's, you know, they mightn't be in all Ireland finals or something. But I think realistically, like, uh, if you think about it in, in, uh, in golfing terms, uh, par for this Armagh team is an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Anything beyond that, I think, is is major success. It's interesting, though, Brian, isn't it? If 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 you look at the Galway-Armagh quarterfinal, the talk has been about Armagh. And partly that's, of course, because of the nature of the qualifiers and beating Tyrone and beating Donegal. But Galway have quietly gone about it. They've they won the Connacht Championship with a minimum of fuss and it's almost 
I won't say they've been written off, but they're very quietly coming into this quarterfinal. And it's not a bad match for Galway. It's not. But um, <clears throat> saying that, I suppose, if you look at the teams that, that were coming through in the qualifiers, I think Armagh were probably one of the teams that the four provincial winners didn't want to get. I think out of the four teams that came through, Armagh are the best footballing team. Um, and I say that from the point of view that they were playing the best football at the time. They played the best football coming through the qualifiers. I think they're fresh in everyone's mind at the moment because of the games they've won to get where they are. They've been televised. Everyone has seen them. They're, they were big opposition they were playing. And I just think it's how about how they went about winning the games and the brand of football they're playing. It's caught people's attention. I think it's it's a great mixture of kicking, running game, um, you know, even Rafty Okamoto goal and, and kicking points. It's, there's, there's also something about what Armagh bringing to, to the table. And I think it's, it all even stems back to the to the to the to the national league where they you know went up to Grove Park in the first night of the league and beat Dublin. I think it's kicked on from there, and they've just seemed to capture the the, the, the public. I think they've definitely captured my my attention of, of how good they're playing. But I think Galway probably wouldn't have liked have wanted to have gotten Arma. I think I don't think any one of the provincial winners would have fancied this. Um, but saying that Galway have been. They've, they've been quiet, but they've done their business to get to where they are. They haven't been fantastic. They've done enough to get to where they are. They beat Mayo um, in Castlebar. We're comfortable throughout the game, but again, with about 10 minutes to go, they just seemed to slip. I thought their game management against Mayo was, was horrific. They got a couple of frees around the middle of the field, and I'm surprised because of the, the character that it was, was, was Paul Conroy was getting them, and he was just putting a lumpy him back in on top of a, a corner inside and the ball was just coming back out and I'm just surprised there was a bit more game management there of get the ball keep it move it simple hold possession let's you know get someone like Shane, Shane Walter on the ball let Shane get us up the field and win a free you know even Paul play a quick one two get us back up and into their half the field but he was just pumping it back in and I just thought game management by Galway was poor that day and even to the point of view against Roscommon um, I thought they, they were Slack as well, you know, Roscommon got a goal in the end to, to make the score and a bit more respectable. But I think that they, they learned from it. But saying that, I think Galway have been, they've done what they've had to do. I think they might be so far ahead in games that they just slept, they took, took their eye off the ball and concentration levels dropped. But I think Galway, they have fantastic firepower up front, you know, and I think that this they can really hurt our mat tool as well with what they have up front. And I think it's basically going to come down to, for me, um, and it's very basic, it's whoever has the ball. If you have the ball and you're dominating and you're on the front foot, I think both teams can hurt each other. So I think that's going to be vital. I think it's going to be vital about how teams are going to push and kick outs. Are they going to push? Are they going to drop off? Are they going to allow teams to have the ball? Galway, for me, unfortunately, I think with the way they're setting up, defensively, they're still conceding a lot. Um, I think it was a 216 they conceded against Roscommon. I, that's a worry. I, if it, I just worry for if you're conceding two sixteen and you're having thirteen men behind the ball, something's not right. There's either not enough contact, they're not tracking runners, something just isn't right. And that's probably one area where I think Armagh could be could really uh, trouble Galway the next day. But again, look, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a great game. I, I genuinely do. I genuinely think it's going to be a fantastic game. And again, I just have that small bit of concern for Galway is the fact they're sitting idle. They've been sitting idle for the last few weeks. And Arma have had two very, very good competitive games coming into this. 
and whatever you say about football, momentum is everything. Momentum is massive. And I just think that our man might have the momentum going to Crow Park. I think their kicking game in Crow Park will, will, will pay a dividend for them. I don't think, I think there's a running game with Galway. Um, but I just think the Ironman kicking game might just see them out after this. After that game on Sunday, Kerry play Mayo. Are there injury concerns in Kerry about David Clifford? Well, there seems to be. Um, you've talked to one person, they're kind of saying, no, things are okay, but like what else are they going to say? I suppose if you're coming to an All-Ireland quarterfinal against Mayo, I don't think you're going to be telling everyone that um, oh, he's, he's out injured, but from from what I gather, from what we've been told, talking to different people, there is a possibility that that he that he is a bit of concern. I don't think he's kicked on as well as what he should have kicked on. But again, a hamstring injury is that correct? Uh, what I believe, yeah, that's what I believe. Um, but again, look, honestly, <laughs> when I've been involved with Kerry myself, the story mills, the rumors that go out, you know, yeah. it happens everywhere. But I suppose it is a concern the fact that he didn't play in the Munster final. Um, and people are going to be wondering, you know, was there a bit more to it? If was it just a knock? You know, would you not just go in, play it, and if it was a knock and get on with it? Or so, from that perspective, I think there obviously must be something more to, than just being a knock. And and again, if that is the case, you look at David and you're kind of saying you're you're playing. If he even is training inside, when's the last competitive game of football he's had? You're now going into an all Ireland quarter final where the pace, of the game, the tempo, of the game goes up two or three notches, and all of a sudden. If he hasn't been training, uh, if he if he is fit to play, he hasn't been training. How hard has he been training? You're not at the tempo or the pitch of the game, so that's a, a big concern for Kerry. Because look, regardless, at the end of the day, he's one of the best players in the country. So um, that would be a concern for me if, if the rumors out there that are that are on the place are true. Um, but again, as I said, there's a lot of rumors to fly around this this county down here about different stories with different fellas. So uh, I don't know, but. If it is true, yeah, it would be a concern, especially it being David. Do you know what I mean? I suppose he is the, the prolific forward we have at the moment. And the Kerry boys tell you nothing, anyhow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but look, yeah, it's concern. It's a concern for, for if it is true. But um, look, I, I do think Kerry have good forward power from the point of view of you know, even if he is out. Do you know, you've what way the forwards can line up? Tony Brazen come in, Paul Gain is there, Killian's plan. I mean, you do have, have good scoring forwards, but obviously David Clifford is a different level. Um, so don't get me wrong at that. But it's different, I think, if you were a, a forward or a team that would, you know, he was your main forward and you had only one or two other scoring forwards around the place. I don't think Kerry, Kerry are lucky enough to have. They're literally good inside forwards, good finishers. Do you know what I mean? So while it would be a setback to, to lose a player of his caliber, I don't think. I don't think the, 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 the season starts world. for the season starts for Kerry this week. If we're if we're if we're really if we really get down to it, what would Jack be like this week? From what I gather, I think he's very concerned. I think he has been very concerned from the point of view of trying to keep fellas motivated, kind of trying to keep a focal point because you you they've hadn't had competitive games. They didn't know until last weekend who they were playing. And it's very hard when you're inside there to have a target of, of what what they're doing. You can, you know, do you if you were whoever you're facing, do we are we working kickouts? Are we going pushing up on teams? Are we going sitting off or you know, it's very hard to, to plan when you don't have a goal or, or or a target of who you're going after. It was only last weekend that could carry the side of, of how they were going playing against Mayo. They only could have a week of training. This week is there's nothing happening. You're only simply ticking boxes, keeping fellas fresh, trying to work on a few bits and pieces here and there. But 
as it, as with regards to going at it this week, you're not. They probably had an AVB game last weekend, and that's all they've had. They've had three training sessions prior to going at it for 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 me or so. By all accounts, I think he's found it very hard to keep motivated to try and get a purpose of training over the last since the monster final of you know getting the focal point trying to get fellas going so i think he's found it very very difficult i don't believe they've had challenge games um so yeah that, that's the big worry and again as much as i said about galway being probably not prepared for our man our man having the games played coming through carrying the other hand as look i've said it i don't know how many times now the last competitive game Kerry have had was the league game against Mayo in Tralee on the 22nd of March, I believe. Um, that's a long, long time. And that's the biggest fear I have for Kerry is going to Pearl Park where the intensity is going to go through the roof. Mayo are going to come and I think they'll just throw everything at it. I think that they've been written off. They're going to come in under the radar. Or not under the radar, but they're coming in. would have been written off saying that Kerry are going to win this, Kerry are going to win the All-Ireland. I think this suits Mayo down to the ground. And I really... I really am concerned about Kerry from the point of view of how they're going to get to the pitch of the game. I hope Mayo just it's the same Mayo that turn up the last two games where they've been slow starting and they've only kind of built their way into the game. And if they do, I think Kerry then will find their feet. But if Mayo come down here a hundred miles an hour and try to blow Kerry out of the water, I think Kerry could struggle to get to the pitch of the game. So that's my big concern for Kerry at the moment is is their championship's only starting now and you're starting you know, that's the only problem. We're starting here now in an all Ireland quarter final, undercooked. Not they just genuinely don't know where they're at. They just don't know who's playing well, who's up at the pitch of it. And that's the concern I have. Gary, are Kerry your favourites for the All Ireland or do you do you do you lean towards Dublin or where do you look? Uh well before the championship started I, I said Kerry were my favourites for the reason being that at that time I felt there was the fewest questions about them. Um felt they had the fewest concerns after the league, I suppose. But um, Dublin have potentially answered some of those questions in the way they've recovered their form or, or seem to be getting very sharp again um, since. So uh, it's probably uh, between the two of them at the moment, I suppose, I, I would be thinking. But uh, that said, I still wouldn't think it's in any way a guaranteed win for Kerry this weekend. Like, I was listening to you last week with interest in Mayo. Like I, I would just never write off Mayo, mm. ever. Like, did anyone think? Look at halftime in the Dublin game last year. You know, they've got fifteen minutes left. Mayo, even even with fifteen minutes left, they look they looked in butter. Yeah, yeah. So and and even even though they haven't found the answers up to now, um, I just think. They always have shown, and it is a different team. There are new guys there now that, you know, and they are really relying on in the last couple of games. They've gone these long periods without scoring, and they've relied on Lee Keegan coming up the field and kicking the ball over the bar. Yeah. I can guarantee you, Lee Keegan won't be let run up the field on, uh, on Sunday without plenty of men and plenty of attention. Uh, so, but. If they can find that bit of form inside, if they can start finding a couple of scores, they can certainly do enough to, to get Kerry sweat. And uh, I, I would just never write them off. I find it very hard to I think Kerry should win the game, but um, you just never know my own. Oshin, have you, on reflection, have you, uh, what do you now think of the Kerry Mayo game? Just can't wait. 
can't wait. It was, it's the game I'm looking forward to most of the weekend because I think it tell it'll tell us a lot about um it'll tell us a lot about obviously both teams, but in particular this carry are way ahead of everybody else scenario that I just I'm really struggling to get my head around. Um but again uh, there's a good chance you could be proved wrong at the end of the year, but I, I still think that the more I think about it, um the more I think oh, it's set up beautifully for Mayo. Um and we only my only the only thing in my head is that have they got the quality to pull it off? I think they'll have they'll have everything else. I'm just in that last third of the field, you know, can they step it up? Is there another level in them? Can somebody like Darty or McKeel or um, Orm or somebody like that just you know kick one six? You know, and uh, out of uh, not out of nowhere, they have the quality to do that, but they just haven't been managed to do it yet. Gary's talking about the periods where you know the scoreboard's not taking over. I mean, you just can't do that against Kerry because they just have too much quality, and they'll and they'll keep that scoreboard taking over. Um, they just we we just need to see Kerry. Um, we just need to see that badness. And carry, and I think if if they can add that to the game, um, then yes, maybe they are way ahead of everybody else. But as yet, I I I haven't seen it. I don't think they're that that they're as ahead of everybody else as as we think. And I think Mayo will cause them. It'll be a different Mayo than they played in the in the league final. And I think, as I say, Mayo are in a in a in a nice little position going into this. Uh, into this game as far as you know, everything seems stacked in their favour but you have to have substance behind all of the uh, all of the stuff that's going on as in you know the motivation and the intensity and you know what you're going to bring but you have to have real substance behind that because in an 80 minute game you're going to get found out eventually so um, it's up to you know it's up to some of those top six um, to really step it up, they have to nail every single free kick which they haven't been doing. Um, they have to take every opportunity that they get. They just have to keep squeezing, uh, carry, keep putting pressure on them. Whether that be for the kick out, which again is not perfect. Um, so if they can do that, um, and and take carry down the lane like Tyrone did, if I was from Kerry, I'd be worried and. Brian Sheehan actually looks worried this morning. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you, Sheen. I, I, like, I agree with everything you said. I, I, I am worried. I am worried because from the point of view is that Kerry just coming to the game having, just not knowing where they're at and that's the problem. It's different when you're inside in training and I don't care what you say, you're, you're marking the same fella night in, night out. You get to know him, you get to kind of understand how he's doing. He's not breathing on your neck. He's not going through the back yard. He's not pulling and dragging. And you mean to tell me that that you don't get the same intensity from O'Hora or, or Washington Mullen, from Paddy Dorkin? I know. I've seen Paddy Dorkin. Paddy Dorkin will go through you in a second uh, to, 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 to get a ball off you. Like, I mean, he, he flopped the field as well. 
it's not the same intent in training as what it, what it is in, in championship games. And that's the, the, that's where I fear for Kerry. And look, they've, it's been found the last couple of years they've been caught. They've been caught against Tyrone last year. Um, they've been caught other years where, for, in other games where when they're not at the pitch of us, you can't just flick a switch inside in the day of a game and, and just go from playing at 60, 70%, 80% in training to go to 100 miles an hour. You just can't flick a switch. You know like when that. you were playing, you know when you were playing against Ke- that that Mayo team uh, a few years ago before before you finished up, what were they saying to each other on the field when the game was getting down to it? Mayo? Yeah. It wasn't so much what they were saying says it's just as when they get momentum when they get a bit of momentum, the crowd comes in behind them and they just seem to feed off. I think they feed off the crowd and off that as well from the point of view. They get a, a run at you and they get momentum. And I suppose if you see some of their, it's their key players. It's If you see Keaton come up the field and kicking a score, it's not as good as two scores for them because the team seem to feed off and the crowd feed off. Is, and all of a sudden, they just get that pep in their step. You know, it, it's, it's like even small, small little things like Aidan O'Shea within Mark and Danny and came out with a ball I think he not broke a ball off Keir or something I think and he went and won the break again and bounced off a carry fell and all of a sudden the place erupts and Mayo just seemed to take life from that and I think that's the one thing with the Mayo supporters is that they, when they do see the players giving that the, the crowd give it back to them and all of a sudden they just get going and get going and when Mayo have their tails up momentum they're very hard to break because they're such a strong running team but if you have the Mayos that are and say we've seen in the last two games where they've been sluggish, where they're going over and back with the ball, they're not breaking lines. It's it's they don't play. The, they're not that good. They play the game at one pace. It's hundred miles an hour. If they're not at hundred miles an hour, they're they're laboured on what they do. And I think then the crowd seem to get frustrated with them. They don't have the momentum, and you you can feel in okay, Mayo aren't at it. But as long as I've been playing against Mayo, you just knew you were in for one hell of an afternoon of running of tackling even when they were tackling like say killing o'connor people don't realize how much tackling he does and he he gets stuck in and he's constantly in your face andy moran was the same um Ke- uh, kevin mclaughlin these fellas that when they go at it they really do go at it and they make life very very difficult for you you don't have a second on the ball you need to know who's around you where you are what you're doing with the ball before you get it because any hesitation these fellas will swarm around you with the work rate they had it's whether Mayo are going to have that work rate again as you said, O'Sheen, are they going to bring a ferocious work ethic like they may have old and go at this game or are they going to be sluggish? I'm hoping they're going to be the same Mayo that were the last two games at the start where they were sluggish and slow starting to the games. But yeah, if they get momentum going, they're a very, very hard team to break because they feed off momentum, they feed off the crowd and if they sniff a bit of blood, they, they, they'll go for it. Do you think Kerry will go about following Mayo if they try and run at them through the middle? No, because I'll be straight up. It, it's something we don't ever discuss with the girls falling and, and it's, it's you know, it's nice to discuss <laughs> whether <laughs> players... <laughs> it, it's, it's, if it is, it's something that's it's a very player... It's, it's, it's their own initiative to, to go doing it. Yeah. But I don't think... I don't it's think an understanding Kerry, of a situation. Is that, yeah, is, there's a time and a place for it. Do you know what I mean? I think and that, that comes down to experience. I think it comes down to, okay, if, if, you're, if you're caught open here and, and you're willing to take a foul or you have to know about it to go do it, you probably have to go do it. But I think 
I think the way Kerry has been set up this year, from the point of view of, of Ty Morley playing the plus one, uh, I suppose you, you, some people call him a sweeper, but for me, he's a back and he's staying back there and he's he's just holding mind in the house. Um, I think it, it it it's just that extra bit of protection. But look, the only, the only big thing for Kerry is that they they are. I think defensively set up better. They seem to, and the big thing is with that is they're working harder. And I think one of the changes you will see the next day, I think Adrian's plan will possibly come back into it. Will come back in wing forward. I think because he's a big, he's a big man, he's physical. He does a corrosion amount of work around the place. Really does work. And I think if you have a half back line of uh, of Paddy Dorkin and, and McLaughlin coming up the field, or even Keegan gets a run, you need fellas that are going to be able to bounce off them, put a hand in there, stop them, willing to do the work, the hard work to track them. And I think he's one of those fellas. I think maybe even Darren Moynihan as well. If he's fit, I know he's he, he's struggled with injuries for the last for the most of final as well. He wasn't on the panel. He's another fella that does a Trojan amount of work, tackling, tracking back, winning, breaking ball. So, look, when you're going tackling and you're at it, there's going to be falls. It's going there's, there's going to be falls. Going, but tactically, you don't go out your way and say, "Oh, well, I've never been called that. We've never been told we carry tactically go foul." But it's up to the players' initiative. Sometimes you feel that the foul is better off here. Like I did with Gary back in the Innes. I knew he was bearing down for goal. I know tries, but to to, to, to 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 take the foul and, and pull the jersey and pull him back. But I asked I asked the question, Brian, because I I I was in uh, Croke Park yesterday at the Talchin Cup semi-finals, and there was a really good game between Cavan and Sligo. Really, really enjoyable match. They both went at it, and Westmead obliterated awfully awfully were, were really poor so I say I want to start off by saying that in the context of it but there was some something very stark about the statistics for that match and that was Westmead committed 30 fouls and awfully committed 10 now or 32 fouls I think it was for, for Westmead and what struck me watching the game was and from an awfully point of view that Awfully players weren't getting in the position to make tackles, let alone to foul. So they weren't tracking hard enough and weren't tackling hard enough. So so I leave that to one side for a minute. And I say this again, Westmead were far superior on the day, far superior. But round the middle of the field, Westmead routinely fouled and slowed the game down and left it a different type of game through the middle. Now, I'm not saying that that was planned or I'm not making any suggestion along those lines, but the reality of the facts are stark. It was 32 fouls in the middle. And Westmead picked up three yellow cards when the game was just about over for fouls that had been routinely committed through the game. And it was stamped out. Gary, is this something that you have seen or you've you've noted in Gaelic football? Uh, it is, yeah. I think um, it's interesting to hear what Brian was saying there. They're obviously very, very game-smart in Kerry because they were the best team I ever came across. Really. <laughs> uh, I, mean that, I mean that with, with respect because um, we, you'd never be let break quick. <laughs> you'd never be let break quick. And but the actually, Dublin senior footballers, the really, Dublin senior footballers did it as well. They, they stopped you coming uh, out. Absolutely, no. Every all the top teams are doing it, and there was a paper, a research paper done this couple of years ago, Shane Mangan and, and colleagues. Um, and they looked at the relationship between technical performance in a Gaelic football game and, and running performance, and what factors affected what technical performance factors affected running performance. And the, the factor which had the biggest influence on the running demands of the game, the biggest negative effect on running demands, so reduced the running demands most, was fouls made in the middle third. So the more fouls you make in the middle third, the less high-speed running, hard running you're going to have to do to get back into position. So it's 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 kind of I suppose um, 
evidence for something that that we all know. But if you stop the team, slow it down, give yourself a chance to get set up, you're in a much better position. Now, the the issue for a referee is how do you stop it? Or how does anyone stop it? Because the good teams, and you'll notice this, the same player won't foul twice. It'll be number eight one time, number 10 will take the next foul, then number 11 will take the next one. And by the time number eight fouls again, the ref is trying to let the game flow. He's trying to let the attacking team get up the field. So if he has to go over and book number eight or wherever it is, that's 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Sure, that's even better for the team that's fouling. It gives them even more time to get set up. So I I, I, I don't know how you, um, how exactly you, you <coughs> prevent it or stop it. Um, people hate to hear of rule changes or, or talk of adjusting the rules. I think if we are really serious about trying to attack, reward, or reward attack and play and give teams an opportunity to attack, attack I'd be in favour of some sort of a rule where if there's a, a foul like that in the middle third, the player who's fouled can pop the ball up to a teammate who can run the free. They don't have to kick it. They can run on with possession if they wish. Um, and that would just, it, it might at least punish that foul. So if there's a player after being dragged to the ground or fouled, He's taken over the play. Someone else can can run on with it and speed the game up. But obviously, that's I not have to say, I have to say, I, I haven't, I haven't thought about it, but instinctively, I like that idea. Yeah, but I suppose look, just yeah, well, look. It, it, sorry, sorry Brian. It, it, it's it's a good, yeah, it is, it is a good idea. In fairness, it is. But again, look, the problem I have is it's, it's a lot for referees to try and do to try and look after all this. You're, you're there's so much going on with referees. There's one man. He's trying to look inside. There's someone holding. He's trying to send. Is he played the boys he hopped the ball twice or has he fouled? You know, un unless you someone that's picking this up on the stand and say that's his third foul, that's his fourth foul, and, and just speaking to his ear, then he might be able to do something about it. But as Gary said, you're trying to let the game run, you don't want to be going booking fellas. And I think the biggest problem we have is the definition of the tackle. You could have one referee that will see a tackle being a foul. But is that a cynical fold or was that an intentional fold? Did he mean to fold him? And it's very hard to do it. And I think the other thing is like the whole game at the moment has gone to a running game. If you're running the game, you're going to be tackled. Fellas are going to chase, fellas are going to hands in, and there's a way more tackling involved as a, as a result of it. And especially in the middle third, you see very few teams pushing high up the field and trying to tackle inside the opposition's 45 or top of the D. Maybe you can if there's a mismatch or there's a you know you've an extra number or there's a bad pass and you can go in and and take the risk. But teams don't do that. Teams start dropping because they don't want to be exposed at the back. Therefore, your your middle thirds where the tackles are happening. But I just find it very hard. There's no definition in attacking. I mean, if if you watch hurling, like some of the challenges I find when hurling, if they went down on the football pitch, there'd be there'd be no gameplay. There'd be freeze all day. Do you know what I mean? So. It's just completely different on on the, per, on the perception of what's a tackle. There's no defined tackle in football. Some referee will allow an awful lot of contact to go on. Other referee won't allow it. If there's a player coming at you and you stop him, some referee will say, oh, you were, you were shouldered him into the front, it's a free. Another referee will say, well, you ran into him. Where's the interpretation? You left your hand in, was your hand out. You know what I mean? It, and I always find even the longer the championship goes on, way more the referees let the game flow they let it go first in the start of the league and the start of the championship there's as i call just fouls for 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 bare minimum contact is like basketball do you know what i mean whereas as it goes on in the championship the referees let the game flow but i just think it's it, because there's no clear definition in the tackle it's important you have different referees 
different refing different games it's very hard to get consistent and, and where it's going to be so uh, i don't know how they're going to clear it up but it, it's going to be very difficult and on that point with regards to you know if you feel that you're going up against a team that's tactically full um and i, I recall it from one or two club games um that we played what we would purposely do is you know, in 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 the build up to the game, you'll say, "Oh, I hope the referee keeps an eye on it. I hope the referee is a good game. I hope he doesn't." You know, you get someone in your PR team, a selector or someone, to make a comment, and that you know that we found out oh, these fellas are falling off last in the in the middle third, and we hope the referee, you know, will keep an eye on that. You know, and you you kind of put that into the referee's head before the game. That's okay. I'll keep an eye on this. Or if you forget a player that's, that's that can talk to referee, be the captain or especially kind of a senior player out in the middle third of the field, that he can pull the referee inside and say, look, ref, come on, they're at this all day. This is the third or fourth fault he's at. Keep an eye on him. Just kind of say, just a word, not without berating him, but just a little word you know, during a break and play or just a, an injury and say, look, this is the, they're at this all day. It's the third, fourth, fifth time that they've pulled us down in the middle third. Just keep an eye on us. If you feel there's nothing wrong with us, let it go, but just put the doubt or put the, the, the notion to his head that's, that's, that's there. So that's probably one or two ways of, of looking at it if you, if you feel that you're coming up against um, an opposition like that. But again, look, I think if we don't have a defined rule in the tackling, every referee is going to interpret it differently. And Yeah. No, I'm absolutely I'm alarmed at the cynicism that's going on in Leinster and Munster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite upset by it. You're you're not triggered by this, Oshin, are you? You're okay. Well, just thankfully we're just up here in Ulster and we can get on with just playing ball. And you just keep firing. And, uh... Speaking of which, we're very we're very quickly going to run through the four games at the weekend, and I'm going to ask you for your predictions on who's going to win. We'll start with Dublin, Cork, Oshin. Dublin. Uh, Brian. Dublin. And Gary. Dublin as well, yeah. Yeah, so clean sweep there. Just Cork probably, by the virtue of the draw they got, got to a level of the competition which they can't believe. And it is quite the shock that Cork footballers have stayed in the championship longer than their hurlers. Uh, not something that could have been predicted earlier in the year. And it is, though, by virtue of the draw. Um, Derry, Clare, Oshin. Derry. Brian. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a tight game. I I think just because of the route that Derry have taken, the, the teams they've, they've, they've taken scalps from, I just give them the benefit of the doubt that they'll be good enough to be clear. But it'll be a tight game. Gary? I reckon, I reckon the lads are giving a very polite pause. If I wasn't on here, I reckon they'd be, uh, be far <laughs> more confident than Derry. Right? <laughs> um, I'm still getting over the same. I'm not at a stage yet. <laughs> I'm not far enough removed from it that I can predict that we won't win I went into every game we played thinking we could win it so um, I do think Clare could win um, a lot will have to go right but uh, I'm going to give him a vote of confidence Okay, it's your Colin Clare Okay um, Galway Armagh, Oshin Is this the bit off. where you say oh, we'll be lucky to have a team for the weekend there's <laughs> Seven or eight no. lads with gout and other lads have gone on their holidays. Oh, we're lucky. This is a golf term. We're here on par. We're, we're, yeah, this is yeah. Star. we're <laughs> I just, I need to be it's great to get the weekend down. Yeah, yeah. Um, just hope, I just hope we don't foul anywhere in the middle of the field. Um, 
I, I, do, I do genuinely think that having watched a good bit of Galway over the last week or so, I think I might actually have enough. As far as what you're concerned, that's Q-tourism more associated with the Kerry boys. And, and I just think that I've done that now for two weeks, so people are probably very aware of that. So I, I genuinely think Armagh can win this game. Okay, Brian? Yeah, I, I, I just think, as I mentioned already, I just think Rask or Galway, the way, the way they're setting up defensively, but still conceding scores is, is a worry for me. Uh, they've been sitting idle again for four weeks now. Um, and I just think that Armagh, as I said, like the, the, the teams they've beat, they've beaten to get where they are. But more importantly, that is the football they've been playing. They've been playing very good football, great brand of football. They have fantastic forwards. Crow Park is going to suit a kicking game. And I think I'm going to go with Armagh for this one. And Gary? Yeah, similar to lads. I just wonder, what have Galway done in the, in the intervening weeks? Have they pushed on? Have they got another string to their bow? Or are they still the team that won the kind of championship? That's not a bad team by any means, but have they added anything to it? I, I have a funny feeling there's going to be major drama in terms of extra time and nearly penalties in one of these last two games. And I could well see this one going to extra time. Uh, and I just, I just give it to Armagh after extra time. Okay, and I think we'll, we'll, never, we'll never get home game. from Crow Park. Yes, <laughs> 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 I think I think we'll all agree that that the, the most exciting game of the weekend is is Kerry Armagh. Oshin, call it now. Kerry Armagh. Um, oh, sorry, Kerry Kerry Mayo. Yeah. Um, I thought you were skipping forward all there in final, but um. <laughs> Look at uh, everything about this game. You know, would tell you like you'd be crazy to to think that that Mayo on the current form could beat Kerry. <clears throat> um, and I think uh, the logical thing to do is to is to is to go with Kerry. And so. I, th- I think Kerry will win it, but I, I do think that Mayo Mayo will cause them unbelievable amount of amount of problems. I just don't think they just have that extra little bit of quality. Um, but I I do hope for everyone's sake, for Kerry's sake, for Mayo's sake, for for everybody that's watching that uh, Mayo did make this the battle of all battles. And I think when we come out of it, um, when we come out of Sunday evening. We'll, we'll then be able to say definitively, you know, carry on on a different level or they're, or they're they're in the pack and they have an opportunity to win All-Ireland, which I think they are there now. I think they have a real, real realistic, obviously, an opportunity to win All-Ireland. I just don't think they're way ahead of everybody else, but they could put a put a big dent in, in that belief um, that everybody has uh, at the weekend. So, I mean, this is a, it's a huge game for them. And I actually think, uh, I actually even think that Kerry can win an All-Ireland without David Clifford. I really do. Um, but I, I think the, the worries for me are, the worries for me are how good they are defensively and the structure that they have defensively. How much does that take away from what they're, do, what they're doing going forward? The reaction of who they play in the half-forward line and their kick-out strategy. So, um, I... I it's a hesitant nod for Kerry. 
Brian. Um, look, yeah, it's it's going to be a. I think this game will go right down to the wire. I think there'll be very very little in this. I think you definitely won't have a repeat of the league final, from the point of view that Mayo didn't show up. But even looking back on the league final, the the, the players they were missing on the day, big players, key players, um, didn't help them. I think they also had their eye on Galway. I think they were playing possibly two or three weeks time. They were playing Galway in the first round of the championship. So. I think that was kind of obviously in the back of the mind as well. But um, look, I, look, I'd have to, I couldn't, just I couldn't come on here and, and not back Kerry to be honest. Like so, um, uh, look, I, I genuinely do. Kerry will will prevail in the end, but um, I think it might even come down to the to the substitutions. I think Kerry have a have a good bench. Um, you know, I think they like to bring in like so David Moore at the middle of the field. I think. Um, Oh, I don't think they'll start them. I think I'd like to hold him in reserve. I think he'll you know, add a bit of experience coming in. Um, I think you'll get more of Davis coming in than maybe you know, start him and bring in Jack Barry if Davis' legs don't. don't you know. Davis' no football played all year as such. You know, so I think if he's, I think starting was, it would be a big gamble. And I think you'll probably get more of Davis bringing him in than you would start him. I think he'd have more of an influence rather than not starting him and or starting him and bringing in Jack Barry. I think David will have more of an influence of doing that. And I also think Kerry just have that bit more firepower up front. Um, hopefully, David is that those rumours out there aren't 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 correct. Um, but even at that, you know, you're still bringing like Tony Brosnan, you're still bringing in Killian Spillane. Um, so they still have. I think those forwards I think might make the difference in the end. But um, I think it'll go right down to the wire. But yeah, back in Kerry. Kerry. Yeah, I think I think we'll see a much improved Mayo. Uh, they will score better. They'll be more efficient. But I don't think they'll have improved enough um, to actually to actually beat Kerry. So I think Kerry have learned enough from their last couple of years' experience. They're coming to Croke Park now, kind of warmed, ready. And as much as I said, I, I wouldn't write off Mayo, and I don't. I think Kerry will have enough. Okay, for what it's worth, I think uh, Dublin will beat Cork. I think Kerry will beat Mayo. I would really like to see Clare. Going well against Ireland. I have nothing but respect for, for what Colin Collins has done, but I think Derry will win, and I actually think it might not be quite as close as as you think it's going to be. Uh, and I think Galway will beat Armagh. Um, New thank, Yeah. <laughs> thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Locker, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean for making it happen, to everyone at Examiner Sport. Thanks to Renault for their support as well. A huge thank you to Oshin McConville and to Brian Sheehan and to Gary Brennan for joining us today. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. And a small bit of a needle gap. Oh, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell.